the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We are starting now at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday. It is the 15th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2021. Loaded up today as we have been recently. You know, we're approaching this primary season. We're kind of already in it, even though the uh, primary in the state of Ohio isn't until May 3rd. You know, particularly for the governor's race and for the Senate race, you know, it's only July. It's pretty much primary season. Everybody's in, and there's a lot of campaign stuff going on. So that's why we're a little bit more heavily loaded with important guests than we are in normal circumstances. So we appreciate you being with us and uh, picking and choosing your spots. That's the best way I can describe it. If you want to be heard and you want to call, uh, you got something to say, you got a question to ask, you got to pick your spots in between and around these guests. Today, coming up in a half an hour, Brad Parscale. Brad Parscale is a former campaign manager for President Donald J. Trump. He is now advising the Renacy campaign for governor. We're going to talk to him about this race at 935 as um, Governor Mike DeWine continues to make decisions that just have us scratching our heads, to say the very least. I'll have that coming up. 1010. Dr. Everett Piper regularly offers his commentary on matters today. One of his uh, top issues at 1010 is going to be a leading medical journal which has published a story or a report suggesting that parents should not be allowed to veto gender transition decisions made by their minor children. That little kids should be able to take hormone blockers, puberty blockers, and engage in the transition of their perfectly healthy, normal body. And their parents don't have a word to say about it. This is what a leading medical journal says. Dr. Piper's got thoughts on that. Then at 1035, you're going to like this. We're going to talk to Eric Finman. 
You have no idea who Eric Finman is. I didn't either until I became aware of this story. You are going to really like this. Matter of fact, I want to talk, I want to start the show by talking about this. And he'll join us at 1035. So let's get our Pledge of Allegiance underway here so that I can really spend some time talking about Eric Finman and why I really think you're going to really like that, um, uh, that interview, that conversation. Very, very cool. So let's start with the pledge. If you are able, please stand and face your flag. And please place your hand over your heart. Leftists, please go ahead and take your knee and mumble under your breath about how horrible this country is. Or maybe just turn uh, the volume of the radio down for the next 30 seconds, however long this takes. But let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, there you go. So Eric Finman is a, is a millionaire, rather. He's a millionaire, and he is uh, basically in his early 20s. He's been a millionaire since his teens, and he is... A, very specifically, a self-made millionaire, because he's a genius. He's a technological genius. We're going to interview him about something that I asked President Trump about on June 25th, uh, 24th when I spoke with him. Do you remember this part of my interview with President Trump? Because somebody has to take these people on. Sorry about it. That didn't queue up at the beginning. Now did it. One more time. I don't want to own my iPhone anymore because of what Apple did. But the other option is is an Android phone, which is owned by by Google. They they have the market cornered. And I, I wonder yeah. out loud on these airwaves, is there a billionaire somewhere who could start his own smartphone company and bankrupt Apple and Google? And the first name I thought of was, well, Donald J. Trump. Would you ever consider <laughs> such a venture and, 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 and create the Trump phone? You'll have 75 million people who voted for you will buy one on yeah. day one. I, I, I hate these liberal companies that have the market cornered on the smartphone no, I know. Uh, technology. And they have their phones made in China, by the way. Just right on. You Would you ever? Th- so I had that conversation with President Trump on June 24th because it's something I started saying on the airwaves back when Apple and um, uh, uh, Google, through their app stores, banned Parler. Now, Parler was the app that was basically what we were all running to, those of us who believe in free speech and those who are tired of the censorship of the, uh, uh, you know, of conservatives by, by the, the big tech overlords, right? So Apple, uh, Apple and Google took, uh, Parler, especially after Donald Trump got banned from Twitter and Facebook, they took Parler off of their app store. So now conservatives had nowhere to go. They're getting banned by the traditional apps, the ones everybody uses, the Twitters and Facebook. They can't use Parler anymore because they went ahead and removed those. So I said, well, what we need now is, is not a new software company, a hardware company. Somebody needs to build new phones. That's exactly what I said to President Trump. Somebody needs to build new phones. Would you build the Trump phone? Well, he seemed somewhat lukewarm to the idea, although he is doing the software thing and you know putting together Trump-style social media platforms, which is fine. But as far as the hardware, like I said, he seemed somewhat lukewarm to it. Well, guess who isn't lukewarm to it? Guess who is doing it? Eric Finman is doing it. 
and we're going to talk to him at uh, 10.35 today about what he is calling the Freedom Phone. Again, this guy, I think he's like 22 years old. He he became a millionaire using Bitcoin um, back uh, as a teenager. He became the youngest Bitcoin millionaire. Since that time, at age 19, he built a Dr. Octopus suit. You remember the... Um, uh, movie, the Spider-Man movie with Dr. Octopus. And, you know, he had like the big long mechanical arms to commit all of his mayhem and so forth. Well, this kid at age 19 built a working prototype of that suit, but not for negative or for nefarious reasons, but as prosthetics to help people who need them. And it's controllable just by your hands and your, your mechanical arms work for themselves. It's remarkable. He did that at 19. At age 20, he launched a satellite. And at age 21, he says, we, uh, we built a multi-million dollar crypto company. And now he is announcing the Freedom Phone. Name one time in history where the people who banned books, media, and opinions were the good guys. Hi, I'm Eric. I'm the world's youngest Bitcoin millionaire. I made it in Silicon Valley and I've accomplished a lot in my life already. But now, I'm leaving big tech to fight for free speech. Because the big tech overlords are violating your privacy, censoring your speech, and I think that's so wrong. That's why I created the Freedom Phone, and it's uncensorable app store. Everyone is complaining about big tech censorship, but no one is doing anything about it. They say, build your own phone. So I did. All right, I'm going to stop it there because I don't want to give too much of this away. The interview is coming up at 1035. But that's exactly what I asked Donald Trump to do. I said, can you build, get a company and build your own smartphone? Call it the Trump phone. I love what Eric Finman is doing. They're calling it the Freedom Phone. But as you just heard him say, with, the, with an app store that cannot and will not ban any apps from being created. So anything that's been banned from the Android, for, which is owned by Google, or the iPhone, which is owned by Apple, all of those things will be available on the Freedom Phone. This is exactly what needed to happen. So anyway, that's coming up at 1035. I'm very much uh, looking forward to that. All right. Uh, I want to get a couple of other things uh, uh, on the table here. I didn't talk about this yesterday. Uh, but there was a big, uh, there was a big election, a special election in Georgia that was held, and I should have uh, talked about this yesterday, but it was held on Tuesday night. And this matters for a couple of reasons. We're in Ohio, not Georgia, but you understand the stakes, right? Georgia is the state that, on the night of this special election on Tuesday night, was forced to watch the baseball All Star game being played in Denver, Colorado rather than in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where it was originally scheduled. Why? Well, because Georgia's leaders in government decided to pass a law to stop fraud in Georgia's elections. And because they decided to protect voter integrity in Georgia, Major League Baseball said, harumph, and they took the game and the million, hundreds of millions of dollars in economic impact that go along with it away from Atlanta, Georgia, which, by the way, is a predominantly minority uh, city. They took that economic growth away from Atlanta and gave it to a lily-white city of Denver, Colorado, which has more strict voter uh, laws than Georgia does. You remember all of this, right? So Tuesday, that game was played in Denver instead of Atlanta, and while it was being played, people were voting uh, in the state of Georgia in a special election. And the results matter. Republican Devin Sebaugh defeated Democrat Priscilla Smith 
in a, in the special election for House District 34 with 63% of the vote, far outpacing. Now, this is a conservative-leaning district, so let's not pretend that this was, you know, it's turning some blue seat red, but far outpacing Burt Reeves, who won the seat last year, who gave it up 56 to 44, Seabaugh had 63% of the vote, a massive, massive win. And former Senator Kelly Leffler, you remember she lost that special election, she launched a nonprofit organization aimed at registering and reaching voters called Greater Georgia, and she kind of helped steer this GOP win. She said, I congratulate Representative-elect Evan Seabaugh uh, on his hard-earned and much-deserved victory in the State House. Uh, District 34 is a champion for pro-growth conservative values under the Gold Dome, etc., etc., etc. Republicans expanded their margin of victory in the, in the district from 4% to 26% via a combined grassroots effort. And, and this is where it becomes important to you here in Ohio and me, and because the new voter laws are in effect. It's a lot harder to cheat when you don't have a pandemic allowing for ballot harvesting and ballot dumps and unchecked drop box locations and uh, no de- uh, no um, uh, postmarked uh, absentee ballots coming in, et cetera, et cetera. So Republicans saw a massive, massive turnout and great success. Meanwhile, Stacey Abrams, the failed 2018 gubernatorial candidate and her organization, which is called Fair Fight, was handed a big smackdown on Tuesday night. They decided to color the uh, story this way. Tonight, Georgia Republicans won a Republican district, just like Georgia Democrats will continue to win our Democratic state. This is the hilarious part about this. Georgia is in no way, shape, or form a Democratic state. Georgia is a red state in the Deep South. Georgia has always been a red state. Georgia will remain a red state. The only time it became a Democrat state is when, yes, they cheated in the twenty six or twenty twenty rather uh, election during the pandemic. The H she continues to say the HD thirty four election was an opportunity for us to protect voters in the midst of unprecedented attacks on the freedom to vote across the country, and this, of course, is in no way, shape, or form anything close to the truth. Why are they continuing to spin the lie that this was a free and fair election in twenty twenty, and that the Republicans? who are in various states, who are shoring up their election laws and protecting voter integrity, why do they continue to spin this lie? And the answer is because nobody is willing to provide the evidence, at least thus far, the proof of the theft of the election, of the fraud that was perpetrated on November 3rd. Which brings me to the analysis of ballot images in one Georgia county, Fulton County, Georgia, which shows provable fraud in their audit, according to the election integrity group that held it. All right? Tucker Carlson covered this last night. I'm not going to play the whole thing for you. I'm going to take a time out here for news, or I mean a time out here anyway. But we're going to come back. We're going to talk about what the analysis turned up. And I'll just give you a little sneak peek. 36 batches of mail-in ballots containing over 4,255 votes were added redundantly to the audit results, according to this uh, special um, election integrity group. Thousands of fraudulent ballots are being found in Georgia alone. And yet the left wants to continue to call challenges to the November 3rd outcome 
They want to call that, quote, the big lie, end quote. The only lying here that's being done is by the mainstream media and those who perpetrated this fraud on the American people. So elections matter. We're going to talk more about it right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 926. Obviously, I can't play this entire seven-minute segment of the Tucker Carlson show. I don't like to play long-form stuff from other people's shows anyway. But it's better than me trying to paraphrase and describe to you what exactly what went down. But in that uh, 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 Georgia race on Tuesday, like I said, a big win for the Republicans. It's the first election they've had in Georgia, even though it was only in one district. Uh, the first election they've had since the new voting laws went into place, which, of course, were a result of... Massive amounts of voter fraud. No matter how much Brad Raffensperger wanted to say we couldn't find it, no matter how much the courts refused to hear it, we know there was massive voter fraud in Georgia and several other key battleground states. Well, now we're finding official uh, and provable fraud uh, and information uh, to to verify those claims. So I'm going to give you a little bit of what Tucker had to say about this last night because it really matters. On three, no change. Our, again, our elections are open, fair, and transparent. I can guarantee you. We already know what happened. We've counted those same ballots four times. The election's been certified. Stop already. And that's the argument that Fulton County has used in court to keep those ballots locked away in a warehouse. Except it's not true. It now appears there actually was meaningful voter fraud in Fulton County, Georgia, last November. That is not a conspiracy theory. It's true. From the beginning, this show has tried to be fact-based when we talk about the 2020 election results. So here's what we know tonight, factually. At least 36 batches of mail-in ballots from the November election were double-counted in Fulton County. That's a total of more than 4,000 votes. Those numbers come from a group called Voter GA, which along with Bob Cheely sued to get them. The final tally from the double counts we know about amounts to more than 3,300 votes for Joe Biden and 865 votes for Donald Trump. Now, before you dismiss Bob Cheely and voter GA as dishonest partisan actors, keep in mind that the strongly left of center Atlanta Journal-Constitution appears to agree with this, at least in outline. The newspaper reviewed the available digital ballot images independently and concluded that hundreds of ballots were improperly duplicated. What does that look like exactly? Well, here's what it looks like. At a press conference yesterday, a consultant with Voter GA called David Cross showed how we can be certain that votes in Fulton County were counted more than once. Watch. What I'm going to show you here is two... I'm going to pause this here because this part includes video that you need to see, but they're talking about the actual marks on the ballots that prove ballots were counted twice. So I won't bore you with stuff that you cannot see, but I will kind of wrap this before the bottom of the hour with this. Um, the question is how many times were those ballots counting, according to Voter GA, which is the election integrity group we're talking about. They slide ballots into a scanning machine, remove the ballots, and then reinsert, reinsert the same ballots. It has happened multiple times. The question is, how many times was each vote counted more than once? Fulton County won't answer that, but one way to know the answer is to check what are called the audit tally sheets. 
Tellingly, for months after the presidential election, Fulton County officials refused to provide more than 100,000 of those tally sheets, including 50,000 of them for mail-in ballots. So when voter GA finally forced Fulton County to turn over the tally sheets, the conclusion was stunning. Here's what the audit found. Seven falsified audit tally sheets containing fabricated vote totals. For example, a batch containing 59 actual ballot images for Joe Joe Biden and 42 for Donald Trump was reported as 100 for Biden and zero for Trump. The seven batches of ballot images with 554 votes for Joe Biden and 140 for Trump and 11 votes for Joe Jorgensen had tally sheets in the audit falsified to show 850 votes for Biden, zero for Trump, and zero for Jorgensen. Now, that's a lot of information. But what it is also is very provable fraud that happened in Fulton County. And if it could happen and did happen in Fulton County, you better believe it's provable that it happened in other Georgia counties, and in Pennsylvania counties, and in Michigan counties, and in Arizona counties. Make no mistake about it. And yet the left-leaning media wants to continue to call challenges to the election, quote, the big lie. The proof is coming out, my friends. It matters. Brad Parscale, former campaign manager for President Trump, now campaign advisor for Jim Renacci, will be joining me next on AM 1420 The Please be aware, you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Okay, it's 938. We continue now on AM 1420. The Answer. We're still waiting our uh, call from uh, Brad Brad Parscale. <clears throat> Hopefully going to make that happen sooner rather than later. He is a campaign advisor for Jim Renacci, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to talking to him about issues uh, here in the state of Ohio. Meantime, I want to fill the gap here with something I also missed yesterday. Uh, and this was, uh, <laughs> I didn't miss it. I just ran out of time to talk about it. We know that the government is doing everything that they can to force people, uh, convince people, intimidate people, twist people's arms to take the vaccine, right? We know that the government through the CDC is trying to make this science-based, right? But what I saw, uh, I actually found this on Tuesday, and I was going to talk about it on on yesterday's show when I ran out of time. It's just, this is beyond the pale. If you have a search engine in front of you, particularly if it's Google, but I think they'll all do this because it's, it's going to turn up the same result. Do a little search in your search engine, and I try not to use Google ever. I use DuckDuckGo, but do a little search, how to prepare for a hurricane. The very first result that could come up, or uh, that does come up on the Google, and it probably will on the others, is this. It's going to come from the CDC. The first search result is the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And what you're going to see is the headline on their page, preparing for a hurricane or tropical storm. Then it's going to say, follow these important hurricane preparedness tips from the CDC. Number one, prepare for a hurricane. Literally, that's what number one is. Prepare for a hurricane. Take basic steps now to ensure your safety should a storm hit. Then it's going to say, number two, 
Get a COVID-19 vaccine as soon as you can. That's part of hurricane preparedness. You understand that? That's hurricane preparedness according to the CDC. Step one, prepare for a hurricane. Step two, get a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, I don't know what's in that vaccine, but as if it, unless it's going to weigh me down to the point where I won't blow away in a hurricane, how the hell does get a COVID-19 vaccine factor into preparing for a hurricane? Ahead of number three, which is get emergency supplies, like food and water and medical supplies and, and, and plywood to board up your windows. No, get a COVID-19. If a hurricane is coming, race down to the clinic and get a COVID-19 vaccine. That's how you prep for a hurricane. Like I said, I know the government is, 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 is continuing to try to force their hand. They're continuing to try to twist the arms, intimidate, uh, whatever it is that they have to do to get people to take this vaccine. But now, if you live in the hurricane zone, if you live on the East Coast or down on the Gulf Coast, yep, make sure that you have, if they see a tropical storm warning coming your way, make sure that you have your, uh, your vaccine because that's going to protect you against a hurricane. It's unbelievable. All right, and I'm being told now that we do have Brad, Cas- uh, Brad Pascal on the line after all, so let's, uh, let's do that now. Brad Pascal is the former campaign manager for President Donald J. Trump, now a very important campaign advisor for the Jim Renacci for Governor campaign. Brad Pascal, thanks for joining us here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? Hey, how you doing, Bob? There's an R in there, man. It's Parscale, but no oh, worries. I'm, I beg your pardon. Yeah, I've, I've been, I see it, but I've been saying it wrong. My apologies, Brad. No worries. Good. It's 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 good to talk to you. Um, you know, first of all, tell me how you came to you know you've you've been in some very very important places here. It doesn't get much bigger than managing the campaign for a presidential candidate, much less much less a winning presidential campaign, and then being part of the 2020 reelection campaign. That's a pretty big deal. How did you end up with Team Renacci? Well, you know, I met Jim a couple times, um, Mister um, Renacci, along the way during all those years. You know, you got to remember, Jim was one of the very first people to support the president. I don't, you know, I, I couldn't remember exactly the first, second congressman in all of America to get behind Trump when it was, and that's before it was, um, you know, cool for everyone to jump on the bandwagon. This is back when, um, you know, before he was a clear winner. And uh, I respect that, you know, people don't, may or might not know, I was employee number one almost. Um, I was one. In February of 2015, I, I joined and helped Trump start running for office, and um, and there was just not a lot of Republicans that would step up then, and I think Jim recognized that the president's policies and what he was going to do, and what he was going to do for this country, and the problems the president saw see coming our way, um, and I really respected that, and you know, and I also think that while I was campaign manager for the president, we asked uh, Jim to do something pretty tough and run for Senate the last 11th hour because we thought he was the best candidate in the state, and we wanted to have, we, we were worried about the split in the Senate, and uh, I always kind of had that feeling in the back that I said, well, uh, once I'm done with Trump, I'm going to come back help Jim run that governor's race because uh, we took him away from that. And I, I really think he's meant to be governor of the state. I think he'll do great things because the state's a beautiful state. I love it. I'm actually living here now, but um, it's got a lot of problems and it shouldn't be, you know, last in jobs and first in corruption and three of the most dangerous cities in the United States. There's no reason. I, I met the people of this, of this state and there's no reason. It's just bad leadership. Um, and it's time for a change. I had not heard that you are now a resident of Ohio, so that's fantastic. Welcome to the Buckeye State. And, you know, you're right, uh, Brad. It is a beautiful state. Uh, it has a lot of tremendous people and a lot of talent, far too much 
uh, talent. And I'm talking about individually, I'm talking about corporately, I'm talking about business-wise, for us to be in the shape we are. And right now, the state of Ohio is a train wreck. And I'm not going to put all of it at the feet of Mike DeWine. I think some of it actually is going to have to go to our last Rhino governor, which was John Kasich. But when you are, as you talk about, you know, last in jobs, you know, in the top ten in corruption, or all the other, diff- all the other different um, metrics that are out there, Clearly, things are not being done right. Now, how hard is it for you, as, again, a Republican and a conservative, to kind of lay all of this at the feet of the current Republican governor? Well, I, look, I think the, the governor's done a lot of things. He's governed like a, a Democrat. I mean, if you look at the data, I'm not, we're not alone. I, I, we just did a, multiple polls. The best poll we got of a strongly agree Republican that actually likes DeWine was 16% of the GOP. You know, likely voters. I mean, that's the worst number I've ever seen him from a Republican. Um, I would not be surprised he's more liked by Democrats than Republicans. He acted like one. He's been governing like one. And there's a lot of things to put there. And he had a lot of time to start fixing some of that stuff. And I, I think what really was resonated with Ohio's and is that when COVID came, he he really did draconian efforts, really shut things down. If you look at the balance, and I think he had hindsight, and people should be measured and, and judged on this. You know, if you look at states like DeSantis in Florida, you know, an infection rate of 10.97, California 10.93, Ohio even had a, a, a larger infection rate. And, the, and Florida did not did not take the kind of effort. And I think where you see, you know, DeWine acting like Cuomo or acting like Newsom and, and trying to appease the, the woke mob, uh, DeSantis said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to govern to make sure that, you know, the, the solution's not worse than what we're trying to do. Uh, and we caused more unemployment. We caused people after this with homelessness and jobs. And now what you see is people in Ohio having problems and suffering um, when they didn't have to have all those kind of shutdowns and destroy all those small businesses. You have thousands of small businesses, so the jobs aren't going to come flying back. Um, I think just that one fact alone is, is, is enough to replace him because when the time really came where you needed your governor to stand up, uh, he looked at the, the woke mob and said, oh, I want you to like me, and I'm going to run off to my farm. Uh, we are talking with Brad Parscale. He is the uh, former campaign manager for President Trump. He is now here in Ohio as a campaign advisor for uh, Jim Renacci for governor. You know, when I, when I look at, at Jim Renacci, I, I, I look at the uh, results. I look at his voting record. I look at, uh, you know, his policies, uh, policies and platforms, and I see a strong conservative. I really do. Yet he continues yeah. to fight. Uh, he continues to fight the rhino label. People, for some reason, uh, look at Jim Renacci and they try to lump him in with DeWine and Kasich and others who are, and maybe even the outgoing Senator Rob Portman, uh, who's, you know, a little bit less than conservative when it comes to social issues. Maybe so much so, not so much so on fiscal, but, but on other issues. How do you evaluate Brad Parscale? Because you're a dyed-in-the-wool hardcore conservative. You worked with President Trump, so you would have to be. How do you evaluate uh, Jim Renacci's credentials as a conservative? Well, there's two things. One is, one, 100% he's not a rhino. Um, this guy's a Republican through and through. He, I mean, let's just put it first. He was the first Ohioan to say, I'm behind Trump, um, when it was not cool in Ohio because he had Kasich as governor uh, making people's lives hell. So, first of all, there's... There's just a straight-up, no one could beat that marker. Um, the other thing is, you know, one thing I've learned about Ohio, and, and being a national campaign manager, or, you know, where you're really listening to all kinds of states, Ohio's got a lot of people in the back rooms playing deals, doing stuff, saying stuff, um, and a lot of money that goes flying between pockets. And these people like to mark and try to do things so the press will write, you know, because they know what's moving votes right now, and so they want to say these things. 
And the fact is, Jim was a, a businessman for years. He, he, you know, had success, tons of successful business, hired thousands of employees, you know, was less terms in, in Congress than, than other people they call that are true Republicans in the state have been there 20 years longer. Um, you know, he went to do, you know, as a mayor of a city, um, you know, he, you know, listened, he took President Trump, called him one phone call, said, hey, I want you to run for Senate, drop everything you're doing and do it. He did it. I mean, that's the kind of guy that, you know, was completely behind the Trump agenda and, and, and the conservative movement that Trump was doing and trying to improve this country, improve this state. Um, it's hard for me to make an argument in one way that he's a rhino. But look, this is we live in a modern media world where if any person wants to say something on background, clickbait is everywhere. And to call on somebody a rhino sells newspapers. And, yeah. and for a guy who who sat at the top for 897 days and got lied about every day, trust me. Um, when when you are starting to win, when you're starting to beat people, you know, win the races, they'll say anything, and the newspapers want to sell it. You know, there's there's barely any um, legitimacy to some of the mainstream media anymore. I think it's very unfair that he's had to fight that label for as long as he has. He had to fight it during the even during that Senate race, yeah. and, uh, and well, you, you know his his opponents continue to use that. And I think it's unfair because I know well, Bob, what a concern. The more you win, the more you win, the more you have to fight false labels. That's, That's just true. the way it works. And he's done it with grace, by the way. By the way, speaking of, of you know, support for President Trump, you mentioned he was one of the very first guys, if not the, the very first uh, guy in Ohio to say, I'm for President Trump or I'm for Donald Trump for president. What do you take away from the fact that Donald Trump just held his first rally in his post-presidency? He chose Ohio. He chose Northeast Ohio. He was in Wellington yep. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jim Renacci was there. I know. I stood and talked to him for about 45 minutes. You know who was not there? The Republican governor of the state of Ohio. Mike DeWine well, did not even bother to show up to greet the uh, the Republican president. Well, all those years I was running stuff, we came multiple rallies to Ohio. I felt like sometimes I was living here. Um, you know, we had a lot of rallies. Here's one of the most successful places. President Trump would have lines for miles and miles. And, you know, people, we couldn't find venues big enough to fill, uh, to get all the people in. And we had to keep coming back. But one of the things that was obvious is every time um, my campaign and, and the White House would work with DeWine, he would make excuses. I mean, one time he made an excuse that he had COVID, you know, um, and thought he had COVID, <laughs> which he didn't. And he didn't want to come. And, you know, I don't know if that's even made the press probably make news now, but like, you know, this guy has not what to do. But, you know, it's kind of funny when Biden kind of calls him asking, uh, he'll, he'll come running. So if that's not a, you know, if that's not a rhino, you run away from Trump, who is the, one of the most popular people and popular candidates ever in Ohio history. But you run towards Biden, who's unpopular in the state of Ohio, who lost Ohio. I mean, that's the rhino. And, you know, and when you start, you know, acting like Andrew Cuomo, and running to Biden, I don't know what people want and what people see, but unfortunately the media and some of the establishment here in Ohio wants you to turn a blind eye to that because they make a lot of money being being consultants and being around the governor. We're talking with uh, Brad Parscale, a campaign advisor to Jim Renacci for governor. Brad, our time is short, so I can't ask you about all of the issues in the campaign platform, like uh, you know jobs and crime. And We and could do this else. all day. Yeah, we could. I just want to ask you one thing, um, and I want to ask you about education, particularly critical race theory. Uh, about a dozen governors have signed legislation or issued executive orders around the country to ban the divisive and racist critical race theory from being taught to our kids, indoctrinating our kids to hate America and, quite frankly, to hate one another. Mike DeWine won't touch it. Um, if Jim Renacci's our governor, will he do something to ban that ridiculous uh, anti-American and anti-unifying, that, I guess that's a way of saying yeah. divisive, uh, curriculum from being in Ohio classrooms? 
First of all, let me tell you, I think CRT is just disgusting. I think, you know, I'm, gl- I'm so glad my children are already past grade school and off from college even uh, because what they're doing now and doctoring our children, I mean, I, I feel like I was the last generation. They weren't doing this college. Now they're working down to high school. Now they're going down to grade school. It's horrible. And let's just be honest. Mike DeWine had it, uh, his entire board voted um, to support CRT. He's he's stuck in it now. Uh, he He always answers to the woke mob, and he says, yes, Yes, mob. Yes, mob. We're going to do what you want um, because he doesn't have any backbone to fight because being conservative and actually doing what's right is hard. And I believe Jim Renacci will do everything possible to protect our kids from any kind of theory, any kind of education that would indoctrinate them from anything other than, you know, a, a Geo-Christian, you know, values and the things that Ohio people value and a good education, a good upbringing, and a good, strong family. I, I could not see anything less from Jim. We have not talked exactly how he would handle it, but everything I know, he would definitely handle it in a way the opposite of DeWine, and and in support of these kids having good educations. Hey, last thing, Brad Parscale, before you go, uh, and this isn't about issues or anything, it's just about the race, about campaigning and about elections with all your experience. Um, How important is it for conservatives in the state of Ohio to get behind one guy? Are you worried about a split conservative vote allowing Mike DeWine to walk back in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always a danger to that. You can see that, you know, first of all, elections are always math. So, you know, the count's always still zero to a hundred. You can't change that. And if other people come in, you split races. I think right now, um, Renacy has a clear path. He's most, most polls we have, uh, the minimum I have him up over to wine in the primary is 20. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be difficult for any other person to get into the race. Um, you know, DeWine is going to, you know, he'll, he'll probably go out and try to push and recruit people to do that. I think, I think Renacy is the right candidate right now. I don't see any reason why anybody else should get in the race. Um, there's enough people over in the center race. A couple more people could jump over there, I guess. You know, might as well have 30 in that race by now. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I think it would be it would be idiotic for anybody else that believes in conservative values to get into this race now because Jim's on a clear path to victory, and all they would do. Um, the only way that would happen is in this corrupt Ohio state would be a pay-to-play deal where they where DeWine offers them a job afterwards. You know, making 180 thousand dollars a year doing nothing. Just to, just to, yeah, right, right. Just to come in and screw up the uh, the numbers and allow yeah. him to stay governor. Yeah, Brad Parscale. There's so, there's so much uh, grist for the mill here. We haven't even touched a lot of it, but I really appreciate appreciate you coming on. Well, I'll come back. Introductory, yeah, great introductory conversation that I hope we can build on again very soon. All right, well, thank you. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate it. Brad Parscale again, uh, campaign advisor to Jim Renacci. We're late here. It's nine fifty five. We'll be back right after this. Okay, 9.57, so we are back. I've got time here for a couple of things before the top of the hour, and uh, Dr. Everett Piper, but thanks to Brad Parscale for coming on and uh, uh, kind of talking a little bit about Jim Crow. You know, it's, it, every time I hear, let me rephrase, every time I talk about Jim Renacci, whether it's on the air or off the air to people, and we talk about the governor's race, anytime I see him on, online and people say, you know, who do you like for governor, Renacci or Blystone or somebody else, I see people saying, oh, Renacy's a rhino. People, you know, he's got this reputation as a rhino. And I'm telling you, it is not deserved. I'm not telling you how to vote, but I'm telling you don't vote with misinformation uh, in your head that somehow he's a rhino and he's, uh, you know, he's a squish and that he's weak on conservative values. He's not. His voting record shows that. Believe me when I tell you this, his voting record shows pure conservative all the way down the line. And I'll tell you what, at least in this campaign, 
every message I've heard him give in interviews, including and especially the one he's done with me, um, they've all been America First policies applied at the state level. America First policies and an Ohio First agenda. Uh, you know, he is opposed to the vax million thing that DeWine did. He's opposed to the uh, mandatory, um, <clears throat> excuse me, vaccine push uh, and the va- the idea of vaccine um, uh, uh, registration, not registration, what's the word I'm looking for? The vaccine, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, but you know what I'm talking about, the cards that uh, you're forced to carry. Uh, you know, whether it be private or public, uh, you know, all of these things that Mike DeWine has done with, uh, with respect to the pandemic, Jim Renacci is opposed to, including shutting down businesses, shutting down churches, making kids wear masks in schools. J- Jim Renacci has been pure rock solid conservative on all of these things. So I just, like I said, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. And I know there's a lot of people listening right now who like Joe Blystone, and that's your prerogative. But if you are going to cast a vote, cast an informed vote. Don't cast one thinking that Jim Renacci is some sort of a, a rhino, because he's just not. Uh, he's a strong conservative. Is, is he as loud and as bombastic sometimes as other strong conservatives? You know, is he uh, is he on the TV 24-7 the way Jim Jordan is, who I love, by the way, because he's got to get the message out there? And is he as, as loud as, as somebody like Matt Gates or some other people like that? No. He's understated, but he is rock-solid conservative. So I hope people vote with that in mind as we get into this campaign in full swing. I should say this election season and all of the campaigns in full swing. Okay, 10 o'clock. Now we'll get news. We'll come back. Dr. Everett Piper will join us on AM 1420, The Answer.